You thought we finished in Revelation, didn't you? <laughs> we did a survey of chapter 21 and 22, really, when we covered those sermons, and we're just looking at different verses that have great content. And last week we looked at chapter 21 and verse 3. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And we went from cover to cover, <laughs> Genesis to Revelation, to look how God desires to dwell amongst us. And I think it's a great theme, great topic, a great thought. God wants to be in you. <laughs> That's what it is today. He tabernacles in you by his Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, in, in, the, in the temple, and uh, he came and Emmanuel, God with us, dwelt among us. And now he lives in us, and one day he will live among us. Great thought and uh, encouraging. Then we go to this next thought, and I'm not saying we're finished yet and might find so. There's some more thoughts come as was reading something this morning in uh, Sunday school. But um, <clears throat> looking at this verse, this wonderful invitation that's given in verse 17 of chapter 22. What is the word that stands out in that verse? It sort of leaps off the page. Come. <laughs> Come. <laughs> the greatest invitation, I think, in Scripture that we have. And so I've called this sermon the Great Invitation. And this, along with many other verses scattered throughout scriptures, compose God's great invitations. As we noticed even last week, the inevitable intention of God is to live in us and among us, to dwell, to tabernacle. And how does that happen? Well, he invites us to come to him to come to him, to become his children. And this goes with that, we could say. <laughs> they go together. How does this relationship begin? Well, God invites us to himself, as we saw in the reading from Isaiah 55. You think of other great invitations of Scripture as you think of um, ways to, to talk to a non-believing person about the Lord Jesus and refer them to read something. Where would you say, you know, Read this portion. Have you got a Bible? Read this portion. Uh, many of us would send a person to John chapter 3 and the great invitation there. And uh, this is the man Nicodemus and the invitation that the Lord gave to him who come to him, came to him by night. Ye must be born again. <clears throat> and then go to the next chapter of John, John chapter 4. And there's another individual, the Samaritan woman. Take of the water of life and drink. Oh, give me this water that will last forever. <laughs> Whosoever drinketh this water shall never thirst. And the woman said, oh, I don't want to walk up to this well every day <clears throat> of my life. Give me that water. And he was speaking about spiritual water, wasn't he? That's an invitation. The invitation goes out through the medium of the church. Chapter 28 of the book of Matthew. Go ye therefore unto all the world and preach the gospel. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Be Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. The invitation goes out. You could think of Luke chapter 15, <clears throat> the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son there that the Lord gave a parable of. And so the Bible is literally filled with invitations to people from God to come to him, that he might dwell in them. It would seem from the scriptures that... <clears throat> God is very interested in calling people to himself, wouldn't it? 
when you hear of and read portions like Romans chapter 9 verse 10 through to 13 you know confess with your mouth believe with your heart and thou shalt be saved this is God's message this is why Christ came this is the the whole intent God created man that he might fellowship with him and he's now drawing since the fall men to himself by different means through different ages um, he's given to us a ministry of reconciliation and it's no surprise that we come to the last page and the last chapter of the last book of the Bible and God is still inviting men. Even with all the terrible things that happened in Revelation, in the future they are to be fulfilled, he still calls women, boys, men and, and girls and everybody to come to him. The Spirit gives one last opportunity or takes one last opportunity here to swing the door of salvation open wide to all that will come and to invite lost people. And so God is interested in our salvation. What does the scripture say that Jesus came for? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the message of the Bible. Come to him. He cares about you. He cares about where you'll spend eternity. God cares. As we look around today, you say, well, don't think God cares. Look at all the droughts. Look at all the problems. Look at all the murder, the mayhem, and the armies, and the, and the wars, and the atomic bombs. God doesn't care. Hey, that's the creation often of the sinful heart of man. Don't blame God for what man has done with what God gave him. We know God cares because of his word. It tells us God sent his only begotten son. What more could he send? We know not only because of his words, but because of his works. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. What did he do? Christ died for us. He died for us. So this proves that God loves us and has an intent to bring us to himself. God knows that just because he cares, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to get to heaven. You know, we have people that believe in universal salvation, that God loves and that everyone will be saved eventually. It would be great to think that it'd be nice to be able to preach it, but that's not what the Bible says, is it? We must respond to him by repentance, believing and faith. Jesus died on the cross to pay for men's sins. But that doesn't guarantee that everyone has everlasting life. God wants them to. He went back to heaven to pray for us. But if we refuse the invitation to come to God, we'll remain unsaved, lost, and headed for a Christless eternity. This invitation is vitally important. In the words of our text here this morning in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17 there is one of the clearest calls to salvation anywhere in the word of God. And so we take the time this morning to look at this invitation. The invitation of conversion. Come, come to the Lord. You know, some would say that, well, Christ only died for a certain amount of individuals. But my Bible says differently I hope yours does too I think most would he died for the sins of the whole world first John 2 2 Hebrews 2 9 he tasted death for every man that's not every saved man that's every man 
1 Peter 2, 1. It reads the same. Christ is talking, well, the apostle there is talking about false prophets who deny the Lord Jesus Christ. But it reads there that he even died for them. If they repent, they'll be saved. He will have all men to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4 He gave himself a ransom for all people. 1 Timothy 2.4 and 6 If this is not true that he died for all people, then it's a mockery for God to say in the Gospel of John, whosoever, whosoever, in the book of Romans chapters, chapter 10, whosoever believeth. That just doesn't make sense. I'm convicted that the message is for all people. And their Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In fact, in First Peter chapter one and verse two, God elect election is God's election is based on his foreknowledge. Because he foreknew those that would respond to salvation when they were given the the gift offered the gift, not given, offered the gift, and they responded to it. He knows every individual and how they would respond beforehand because he knows everything, doesn't he? He, He's given us prophecy. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows how people will respond, and on that basis he could say, that person is one of my children. You see, understand all the scriptures, put them all in the mix, and come out with the truth. That's called systematic theology, getting it all together. And it does take a long time. I'm just getting things together, and I've been studying it for 40 years. Well, longer than that. The Scripture's just like that (laughs) and fit together. Ah, and there was something come up this week. In fact, I'm preaching it this morning. Well, hadn't seen that before, and it keeps on happening. Wonderful Word of God, isn't it? But if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth and reject the offer to come, the onus, the problem's on our head. How could God judge a person if they didn't have the offer of salvation and condemn them to Christless eternity unless they had the opportunity to come? There is that opportunity for all to come, no matter who they be. Well, that's the introduction. Let's pray. We, we'll, we'll get through, Lord willing, the, the message today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you that most people in this room have come in, in the past to you and become one of your children. But Lord, if there is someone here today that is still holding off, still hasn't by faith believed the gospel, may be today would be the day of their salvation. Someone listening in, to the message this morning, Lord, that they might come to you and be saved. Bless the message as it goes out, Lord. Thank you for the word that we have heard from New Guinea, that there are more people now in your bride, in the church, through faith, as they believed there at the camp this week. Secure them, Lord. May they develop in their faith and in righteousness and holiness. May they become your firebrands to testify to the communities they go back to, even today. 
Lord, bless those that can't be here for ill health and other reasons. Minister to their needs and comfort us in all our tribulations that we face in this life. Thank you that you are the God of the scriptures and that you love us and unendingly, unceasingly keep knocking on our heart's door. Bless in Jesus' name where the word is preached. Amen. <clears throat> the purpose of this invitation, we go back, we go to our outline in the bulletin this time. <clears throat> it reads there, the spirit and the bride say come, and let him that heareth say come. The responsi those responsible for the invitation. We have in these two sentences, in the first part of verse 17, a twofold invitation. And uh, this is something, as I was looking at it, I come to understand. First of all, the invitation for Christ to return. As we read it, we just think, oh, it's all about inviting people to be saved. But as you read it in its context, that's what we should do with every scripture, put them in their context. The Holy Spirit and the Bride of Christ here are inviting the Lord Jesus to return to earth. And Jesus made the promise in verses 12, Behold, I come, or verse 12 and 13, Behold, I come quickly, of the same chapter. He's going to return. He's coming with a reward. His reward is with him in verse 12. He's, he's coming to consummate and finish all things. Hey, what would happen to this world if God just let it go on and on and on and on? What would happen? The Bible tells us about what would happen. There would no flesh be left on earth. We would self-destruct. In fact, without the atomic weapons and everything else, our genes are falling apart. As generations go on and generations go on, there's more problems that come. And the scientists have said we couldn't keep going on. We'd have to have a big change because things are not as they used to be. If we had Adam here, we won't get him. <laughs> Is there any Adams here today? But I mean Adam, Adam, from way back there. And just showed his physical strength and his mental capabilities and everything. We'd say, he didn't come from a cave. <laughs> he was quite an intelligent man. Very intelligent. So intelligent that he named all the animals that God brought to him. And gave them the meaning of their names and what, you know, by looking at them and saying what they were doing. He, he was able to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> It's amazing what they're finding out about people in the past and they're a bit shocked because they believe in evolution. We're getting better all the time. But now they're starting to see things are not going so well. Um, <clears throat> but he's coming to consummate all things. And the spirit and the bride are saying, come. He's coming to bring light, the light of his glory to this world that it might, it might shine and all might see it. That they would behold... It, the Lord Jesus has said about us as Christians that they might come to me, that I might take them home, that they would behold my glory. He wants us to behold his glory. It says it in the book of John. So the Holy Spirit and the bride say, come, they extend an invitation to Jesus to hasten his return. The Spirit <coughs> does so because he longs to see the Lord Jesus enthroned on his rightful throne. And get the glory. The bride of Christ invites him to hasten because she wants to be with her bridegroom. Of course, that's natural. 
We know that even in a physical sense down here, down here already. Every person who hears the message in this verse uh, says, he that heareth, and it means to understand, they also want the Lord to return. Do we have a desire that that be fulfilled in our lifetime? I pray that we do because it says in the scripture we ought to in Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. We look forward to that. We anticipate that. In 2 Timothy 4.8, it reads, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them, and what's the rest of the verse? That love his appearing. So everybody that hears and has the has the Spirit of God in their heart would say, Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus. That's what this is saying. Everyone, the Spirit and the Bride, are saying, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Are you anticipating his coming? So those responsible for the invitation is the Bride, the Spirit, and everyone that hears. We invite people to come. And so for them to uh, we invite the Lord to come, but for them to have that desire for him to come, they must be saved. And so they, we invite them to the Lord so that they have that anticipation. But secondly, the second part of this invitation is it is twofold uh, for sinners to repent. An invitation for those who don't know Christ to know him. Each of the persons mentioned in this verse is involved in inviting people. The Spirit of God? How does the Spirit of God invite people? Well, it tells us in the Gospel of John how he does that. He convicts the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. Flee to the cross, he says, as he works on your heart. And he might start working on your heart today. Remember the time when you did become a Christian and God's Spirit was striving with you? He was convicting you and convincing you that what you were hearing from the word of God was the truth. And we usually have a bit of a wrestle, inside wrestle, <laughs> as, a, as a fight goes on, whether we believe or don't believe. And so there's a convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit. The bride of Christ invites people through her witnessing ministry. So there's a convicting ministry of the Spirit, the witnessing ministry of the bride itself. And that's what we are to do. That's what the Bible has said. Close of Roman, I mean, Matthew chapter 28. Go ye into all the world. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Our business is testifying to an unsaved world. And everyone that grasps the message is involved in a missionary ministry. Inviting others to come to Jesus. When was the church at its best in the last 2,000 years? When did the church reach out like it had never reached out before? After the Reformation, didn't it? And then, become, then came the missionary movement that went into all the countries of the world because everyone was hearing and people were responding. And as it says to the church at Philadelphia, I, I set before you an open door and the open door was the world. And they went out and they committed themselves. There was much sacrifice by many people and missionaries as they went out into the world to spread the gospel. And sometimes they labored for year on end without any response. What does a missionary do when that happens? 
Well, number one, he gets discouraged. <laughs> I know that would be for certain. But he keeps on. And the ones that kept on keeping on are the ones that saw great response. You know, China was reached. You wouldn't think so looking at it now, but China was reached. Folks, the devil would have us believe there's nothing happening in China nor in the Muslim world, but it is. It, Brother Frank, is things happening in the Muslim world? Certainly, yes. It is. Yes. Souls have been saved, aren't they? Ah, we're not hearing about it on the news. But you listen behind the news. Ask Brother Frank about it. He listens in Arabic to the news uh, and, and can get that. And, and in China, they say there are 70 million Christians in China. Okay, they've got 1.2 billion. But that might be more Christians per capita in China than in Australia, where we freely can hear the message. They're not allowed to hear it, so when you're told you can't hear it, what do you want to do? Hear it. In Australia, where we're allowed to hear it, well, who cares? That's what's happening. Ah. Ah, sinners need to repent. We have been given the ministry as a church of reconciliation and taking the gospel out. In, as I said earlier, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world, it is to go. And so the great challenge to the church... We should ever be in the business of inviting people in the church. We could say, oh, the church, but that's us. <laughs> that's individual us, <laughs> Christians, taking the message to, as we're saved to other people. And as I've said before and just recently, it's a great joy to be able to talk over the back fence or in the workplace to a person that the Lord has worked on is, and is ripe for picking and, and you can just share the word and you, can, you know the Holy Spirit's working right, on that, right there with you <laughs> to convict them. We're living in a world that is growing darker by the day. Only yesterday someone was saying that about the, the unsaved people are saying, you know, what, what, what's going on in the world? John, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was you yesterday saying about somebody who was, you know, what's going on? Unsaved people know something's going on. <laughs> it's growing darker and darker. But the light of the gospel can bring relief and satisfaction, can it not? We hold the light in our hands and in our hearts and we must take it to a dying world. Make use of the mammon, money of unrighteousness, to win friends to eternal habitations. Luke chapter 16 and verse 9. The reason for this invitation we see, secondly, under the first point. <clears throat> the reason for this invitation is inserted because Jesus is coming again, and it could be today. And we need to get the message out. When he left this world 2,000 years ago, he left here with the promise that he would return. Acts chapter 1, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus was taken up from them. And they stood looking up into heaven and the angels turned up. What, what, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up among you, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. And this promise still stands today, doesn't it? He's coming again. So let's be about the business of winning souls that they might go with us. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. The dead will rise first, and then we who are alive shall be caught up with them. This is the promise throughout Scripture. That is in First Thessalonians 4 and First Corinthians 15. 
I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the Lord will come. The reason for the invitation is get ready. The spirit longs for this day because Christ will be glorified. The bride longs for this day because she'll be with her Redeemer. The world longs for this day because it will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Romans chapter 8 and verse 22, that it has been under for 6,000 years. The return of Jesus is the blessed hope of those who love him. There is the third point there under the first main point, the regret or the remorse in this invitation. There is a sad side to the Lord's return, isn't there? Because there's going to be multitudes left behind. Multitudes that may have heard but didn't respond, that didn't come. What, what do you think? How, how many in Australia are Christians? What would be the percentage, do you think? I, I think, go on, have a, who was saying something? Okay, I was saying being very liberal, 10%, but most likely I put down 1%. 1%. The multitudes are unsaved. The multitudes have not come. There's a banquet set and people are saying no. You, you just don't get it. I, I can't get that. Why do people say no when there's such a great invitation to come? That's the remorse of this as we look at it. We want the Lord to come, but in the context, I think that verse that talks about, you know, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. In the context, you'll find there that it's because people haven't gotten saved yet that he doesn't come. <laughs> because when the fullness of the Gentiles come in, then he'll come. That's what it says in Romans eleven twenty-five. Then he'll come. So if you want his coming to come, <laughs> if well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Go witness. Testify. People need to be saved. People need to hear the Lord, about the Lord. The persons, the second main point, the, the persons involved in this invitation, let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will. <clears throat> First of all, those desiring satisfaction, the invitation to come to Jesus is made available to these two types of people, him that is a thirst. This refers to those that are sick of drinking from the stagnant pools of this wicked world. You know, I saw a, um, <clears throat> oh, what are they, sort of a, like a documentary about the cruise ships. Now, I haven't been on a cruise, I'm not, and I may be wrong, but this one, they showed the entertainment that happens on those places. You know, you, you go on a cruise, people have gone on a cruise, I know. <laughs> but I thought... They're trying to find something to fill the void. <laughs> but they can go on that, but it won't satisfy. If you haven't got Christ, nothing satisfies. If you go on a cruise, you can be thankful to the Lord you're saved, and this is extra. <laughs> this is just something you might enjoy through life. But <clears throat> him that is a thirst. People are drinking from the broken and dirty pools and cisterns of this world. In Jeremiah 2.13, it reads, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out broken cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They are seeking satisfaction where they'll never find it. 
They'll only find satisfaction in the water of life that uh, the Samaritan woman was offered in John chapter 4. Have you found the satisfaction? Those who are listening, have you found the satisfaction in drinking of Christ? And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, said Jesus, to, to the Samaritan woman. So those involved in this invitation are those desiring satisfaction that they can't find in this world. Those denying allurements of this world. Secondly, the world and its allurements promise satisfaction to those that pursue it, but neither this world nor anything in it can offer what can truly be provided only by the Lord. The pools of sin and self-satisfaction offered by the world, you know, with all the things that they get involved with in this world. <laughs> <You know, clears throat> they go to the pub and what do they do? They drink themselves silly. This will bring satisfaction. But what does it do? It wrecks their homes. It wrecks society. It causes accidents. It tears families apart. So it's not found in drink, is it? Satisfaction is sought in by other people through drugs. Ice, the addictive drug of ice, is rampant in our society. I'm glad I've not met the person. I think I've seen some people on it because they're just not, they're spaced out. They're not with it. And, uh, and what they're doing to our hospitals and what they're doing to the emergency staff in our hospitals too. And some of you may have had to face that. But drugs, they look for satisfaction there and they realise too late, they fry their brain, they can't think straight and they're on their road to hell and it doesn't bring any satisfaction. And <clears throat> the debased pleasures of sexual exercise in our society is happening. Remember when they try to start brothels up in different places, the people of Albury objected about 20 years ago. You don't hear of those objections anymore. They're just going ahead with it and bringing all sorts of diseases into the population and all sorts of problems into their own homes and families. And, and it's okay to do this. The world just accepts that. Now it's okay that two people live together before they get married. Nobody questions that anymore. And you say, as a Christian, you're, sure to, you're shocked again and again when you hear about it. But they think that will bring satisfaction. Try before you buy, they say, and it's a debased way of thinking. The depraved pools, cesspools of iniquity they get involved with. But everything leads to disappointment. Who's one of that, that rich fella? Kerry Packer. Is he the son or the father? Father. Who's the son? James. Is he a happy man? Not at all. Not at all. Some of his big um, investments have gone, gone belly up. Especially in China, with the with the uh, yeah the the um, lotto thing, whatever they call it, you know, getting in and winning, and uh, how they the, the Chinese turned the tables. Uh, that's a bad word. <laughs> turned it around and stopped them from doing that because it was drawing, taking money out of them, out of China. Disappointment, dissatisfaction. These are the people the Lord is addressing in this verse who cannot find what they're looking for in this world. <laughs> Fulfillment, satisfaction and happiness. They're invited to come to the Lord Jesus, find that he does satisfy. That's why we sung that song, Tridal's favourite. <laughs> 446, satisfied, satisfied. Are you satisfied? Or are you still hungry? Are you fed up? Are you tired of everything else? Are you, have, have you a longing? Well, come to the Lord Jesus. <laughs> And those desire, deciding willingly, 
I like the thought of this in the, in, under this point here, those deciding willingly, those persons involved in this invitation, those desiring satisfaction, those denying allurements of the world, and those deciding willingly, whosoever, whosoever will, is the word there, who is willing to come to the Lord Jesus. He's a candidate, they're a candidate for salvation. Any place, any race, any colour, any creed, any class, they're all invited to the Lord for salvation. They can be forgiven of their sins upon receiving and believing upon him, repenting of them, of their sins. John 6.37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And I use that old saying from years ago, God doesn't want conscripts. In fact, he doesn't conscript you. He wants, according to these verses and many others, volunteers. Volunteers. Conscripts will fight in a war, but they, because they got to. A volunteer, in the First World War, volunteered to go from Australia. They fight like no other person because they've, they've got their heart in it. And for Christian, in Christian circles, to become a Christian, you voluntarily come, whosoever will. He isn't interested, God is not interested in the money you have in the bank. God is not interested in how educated you are. I just read Arthur Stace's one, the first tract we, <laughs> we're sending out. 46 years, of old before he, 46 years old before he got saved. He was in a meeting and him and the mate were sitting there and uh, smelly, ragged clothes, everything. And they looked over at all these guys dressed in suits. And Arthur Stace said, what are they doing? How come they're in suits and we're in rags? <laughs> and from that night he sought and he went out into a, in a park there, repented of his sins, got saved gloriously saved and then he wrote he wrote eternity on the footpaths of Sydney 500,000 times and Melbourne and other little streets and other towns and that then was blazed up on the bridge a miracle that that happened of Sydney eternity what a, what a word for the turn of the millennium eternity where will you spend eternity <laughs> and that just makes people think of that and, but he was a man who had nothing was worth nothing, as it, as it were, to the world. But look at he did. He got the message to, two. they say, 2.7 billion people. He was dead and gone. He'd been dead, yet speaketh. <laughs> and he, he spoke to that many people, because we're one of the first, aren't we, on the clock when it changes into the next new year, and eternity was blazed across the bridge. And then, oh, what, what was that about? <laughs> well, we've got a message. Praise the Lord that he has his way of getting a message out from a simple person who was in rags. And, and if you want to know more about Arthur Stace, talk to Rex. Isn't that right, Brother Rex? He said, talk to him tonight when he comes. He knew, he knew Mrs. Stace in the church, Burton Street Baptist Church in Sydney, before it got sold to, it's sold to a business now. But um, <clears throat> praise God that whosoever, people like that, people of the thirsty, any colour creed can come to the Lord Jesus. This is the people, the persons involved in this invitation, those desiring satisfaction, denying allurements and deciding willingly whosoever will may come. The price of the invitation, well, the last word in verse 17 is 
freely. Freely. <laughs> it's a gift, is it not? And freely means a gift. For God so loved the world that he, what did he do? Gave his only begotten son. A gift that is given to someone without a reason. It speaks of something that is given just because the giver can give it and God can give it. <laughs> and it's by grace. The gift of salvation is by grace, is it not? For by grace are ye saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is a gift. Grace and gift go together in that verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. He that is a thirst, whosoever will. Isaiah 55, without money and without price, we read this morning. Tony read there. Salvation is, a, is given as a free gift because the price has been paid by the Lord Jesus. Salvation may be free for us, but God paid a high price to achieve it. He gave his only son. As he died on the cross, he paid for the price of the sins of the whole world. And John 2, 1 John 2, 2, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of, it says, the whole world. That's not the whole world of saved people. That's the whole world. Take it as it's given. By a gift by grace and it displays God's goodness. Romans 2.4, the last part of that verse says, Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Isn't it a good God? As you think about this situation, we're the enemies, we're alienated by wicked works, but God in his goodness leads us to repentance. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Some of the benefits of salvation show the goodness of God. Every sin is immediately forgiven. Psalm 103 verse 12. It's cast as far as what? The east is from the west. We're adopted into his family. Romans 8:15. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption in the family of God. <laughs> Another benefit, we become his children. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, 1 John 3, 1, that we should be called the children of God or the sons of God. Receive eternal life, a benefit of the goodness of God in salvation. Eternal life. How do you explain that? Eternal life with God. John six forty seven. Given the promise of eternal salvation, again in John ten twenty eight. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall, Jesus said, never perish. We're made citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20, for our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven. Citizens of, of heaven. We might be citizens down here. We might be citizens of Australia. We might have dual citizenship of another country. But the best citizenship to have is the citizenship of heaven, isn't it? It's in heaven for eternity. A pass into the celestial city that we've already looked at in Revelation 22. A promise to mansion in heaven, John 14. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Promise his presence in this life. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, Matthew 28, verse 20. The promise of provision in this life. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Given peace with God. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, John fourteen twenty seven. 
Over and over again, these benefits of salvation come, showing the good hand of God upon us as he calls us to repentance. Have you received this good salvation from the good hand of a good God? I pray that you have. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places, there are many more that are not recorded in Scripture, I believe, that we'll, sh we'll find out in eternity. The process of this invitation is a last point there on the outline. Let him take of the water of life freely. I thought of dividing this up into two sermons, but I thought, no, it doesn't keep the continuity. <laughs> the process of this invitation, let him take of the water of life. This is a true opportunity. Have you ever had an offer of something that seemed too good to, to be true? On the computer, when I go into it, maybe a couple of times a week, because Jill does all that. She, she works on that. She knows she's, she's better at it than me. But down in the bottom right-hand corner comes up, you've got $2,000, $15,000. I don't know what it is. I don't read it. <laughs> but I've had, look, what's that? Get off there. Well, why do you have to press cross and get it out of there all the time? It shouldn't be on there. But anyway, <laughs> comes up there and... And it says, you got this, you've won this, just click here. Just click here. Some elderly person told me the other day that I'm going to tell my children who are not saved and how I have refused so many gifts that I could have had if I believed in gambling. I said, well, what do you mean? And then I thought, oh, that's one of these things, you know. No, no, no. You don't get something like that for nothing, do you? It, there's, all they want you to put in there is your bank details and, and then rob you. And don't go there. But this, this offer seems too good to be true. But the world doesn't want to hear about it. And it is too good to be true almost, isn't it? But it's true. It is true. True opportunity. They seem to come with a catch when they offer a, something too good to be true. Someone makes us that offer. But not with this offer. Take up the offer. It's a true opportunity. It says take Take means to embrace, to lay hold on. It's a gift, but it's not a gift until it's received as a gift. It, has anyone here ever refused a gift that has been offered to them? I mean, not about those fake ones. Yeah, you know, from your family at a birthday or a Christmas. No. You know, when we have a family Christmas together... The table's full underneath and the table's full on top, it seems. <laughs> There's 20 of us. And so Grandpa usually gets a job as Jill's dad, but he, he leaves it up to me now, and then I get the kids involved and say, you know, and they, they pull one out and read a name on it, and they run over, and then before, uh, before, half, before 15 minutes, the whole room's full of paper and stuff going everywhere. And, <laughs> but everyone... Tears the gift open. Notice the little ones. It's about a year and a half. They realise what's going on. <laughs> Inside that paper is something to unwrap. <laughs> and they, they tear and rip. Some of them, are, you can see their natures even when they're little. They'll pull a little bit of sticky tape off at a time. And some, one of the others will jump in and trap. <laughs> That's the way you do it. <laughs> and shouldn't it be like that with salvation? Here we have an invitation. Come unto me. And we should jump in and tear it open and say, I want this gift. But you have to open the gift. You have to make it yours by coming and taking the gift.
How simple is that for such a true opportunity to receive salvation? But people make it so hard. What has religion done to the world? What has denominations done to the world? They make it so hard to come to the Lord Jesus. They have all these rules and regulations. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. You've got to get confirmed, you've got to do that. You've got to get baptised, you've got to... No, it doesn't say that in God's word. Come and take of the water of life freely. That's a simple message. The gospel <clears throat> involves, in 1 Corinthians 15, the death, the burial and the resurrection. And we believe that he died, he was buried, he didn't go unconscious, he was buried, he literally died, and he literally rose from the dead. And he now is seated on the right hand of the Father on high, interceding for us. Do you believe that this is so? This is the, the essence of the gospel. And when this message is preached, the Spirit of God creates a desire and a thirst within the heart. All looking at the, the, all the things don't satisfy in this world, but the Spirit of God can bring this desire. I remember when it happened to me, it was in a public hall in Essendon, in Melbourne, when John Ridley was preaching, and I heard the message of salvation. I read more about him in Arthur Stace's thing. He was tied with uh, Arthur Stace as well. But there, the convicting of the Spirit of God, you know, it was a striving you can't resist. As he pleaded with me to believe and somewhere pleaded with you as the gospel was preached. And you took and drunk of the water of life, fully satisfied. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there's the true opportunity. Take up the offer. Trust and obey the gospel. The gospel is to be obeyed, as it tells us in 2 Thessalonians 1.8. And this has been tested over time by multiple millions of people. And it's true, isn't it? The invitation has been going out for 2,000 years in the church, and it still stands true today. And if you take of it, you know that it never runs out. It's like love. When you had your first child, you love that child, and you think this is it. But you have another child and it doesn't, you don't split, split the love between the two children. You have more love for that child. And so is God's offer of salvation. It doesn't run out with one. It keeps coming to more and more people. The door is still open. The invitation still goes out. God has not shut the door yet. But one day the door will close and it will close in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump. And you'll be left behind. If you're not a Christian, you can be left behind. Come today to the Lord. Drink of the well of the water of life as the Jews drunk of the water of life provided by God in the wilderness. In this wilderness of life, individual come and believe. Have you received? Have you believed? Come as the word is there. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, Thank you, Millie. Come. <laughs> and let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Won't you take today? It's not my offer, it's God's offer to you. Come, whosoever, and believe on the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for this wonderful 
great invitation, the last chapter, the last book, by the Spirit, by the church, and by everyone. Come, come before it's too late. The Lord Jesus is not willing that anyone listening, anyone in this world should perish, but all should come to repentance. Bless some soul that is struggling with this today. As your spirit strives and speaks silently to their heart, may they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be forgiven and cleansed of all their sin as they take of the water of life, the Lord Jesus, and are eternally secure and saved and headed for eternity with the Lord Jesus in heaven. What a blessing. May they come today in Jesus' name. Amen.